Welcome to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines, for over 20 years, online at thepulp.net. In this Pulp Event Podcast, Michelle Nolan, longtime journalist and pop culture historian, takes a look at a female pulp heroine, compliments of the Domino Lady. The talk was recorded on July 27, 2017, at Pulp Fest 2017, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, good evening, I'm Michelle Nolan, uh, pulp and comic historian, and um, they asked, the committee asked me if I would be willing to do a, a, a show on, or a talk on the Domino League. And I said, well, I guess. Um, I, don't, I actually don't have any pulps with the Domino Lady in them, but uh, they're very rare and expensive. And she appeared in um, six stories, uh, the first in all in 1936, and the first five were um, in Saucy Romantic Adventures, which is, as far as I can tell, based on what's in various pulp rooms I've been in many, many, many times, not a very common book. You know, you don't see it very often, and I suspect that it didn't sell very well. However, Norman Saunders did covers for it. So I, maybe, it's, maybe I'm not giving it enough credit, because he was obviously, most people think he was the best of all the pulp illustrators, especially at getting the feel of a character. No matter what he did, whether it was Western or sports or detective or what, you could just feel the, the iron will of the character or possibly the danger or whatever. He, he was amazing. And the, the Domino Lady covers, on the other hand, are more typical of the stories in the sense that the stories were very tightly focused. Um, you know, very, very um, easy to read uh, because they were like novelettes or even short stories. And um, I'll take, I'll, I'll go back to the Pulp Hero Index to start this. Um, as most of you undoubtedly know, um, Robert Weinberg, and uh, my brain is not functioning, but I'm really tired, I drove hundreds of miles today. Um, who was the other uh, uh, Pulp, Index, Pulp Hero Index author? Um, Laura McKinstry. Yeah, Laura, Laura McKinstry, I'm so, sorry Laura if you're here. Um, Anyway, uh, I just knew Robert so well, and he's been on my mind ever since he passed away. Those two fellows were easily, I mean, I was in awe of the Pulp Hero Index. This came out in 1971, I think, after at least the final version. And it had everything. I mean, we're talking about, you know, it wasn't 100% complete, but darn near it. And it was so amazing to me that I, I knew almost nothing about, I knew a lot about comic books, but I knew almost nothing about pulps. And to see this publication devoted to all these wonderful heroes, most of which I'd never read by the early 70s. I mean, Doc Savage and a Shadow, sure, and the Spider, but not all the, he had incredible, those guys had incredible um, listings, but they didn't list the Domino Lady. And I didn't even realize they didn't list the Domino Lady until Bernard Drew put together an anthology called The Hard-Boiled Dames in 1986. And some of you folks might have, might have that in your library. It's a terrific uh, introduction to some of the series characters. And as I was reading through it, and Carrie Cashin and people like that, I, I, I came across this Domino Lady story. And, 
Of course, obviously, I had no idea who Lars Anderson was, and Lars Anderson was purportedly the author. Well, it turned out that, um, and some of you, if you if you want to interrupt me, raise your hand, please, or just say something, because if I'm wrong, I don't want to spread the error, and I don't mind being interrupted at all. So, um, that Lars Anderson was the pseudonym of Thelma B. Ellis, and I tried to find out a few things about Thelma Ellis. I probably should have just called Will Murray, but because uh, he doubtless knows more than, than I ever will. But Thelma B. Ellis was somebody who, apparent, a real per that's a real name, was a woman who wrote several dozen pulp stories, mostly in the mystery variety, or the, the I wouldn't call it porn, it was more just tantalizing variety. And she, she appeared in things like Scarlet Adventurous and Paris Nights and all these other magazines that Doug Ellis did such a great job of writing about in his, his book. Um, and she also turned up in a few mainstream uh, magazines too. But for the most part, um, I mean, she, she really was probably maybe as little known as any author who ever wrote more than 50 pulp stories. I mean, just not well known. And I think part of that was because of the way the stories are, they're not, to be honest, they're not memorable. I, I think I should flip this over. Yeah, they're, oh yeah, I'll explain this in a minute. They're, they're not memorable because um, they're focused almost entirely on, on one or two events. You know, Domino Lady decides that she's going to go after this guy who's cheating the public and her father was a murdered lawman and a very, um, you know, she had, it was a lot like the, the Batman. Um, and so she, she'll, she'll decide to go invade this guy's property one night or something. But that's all the story is. There's, there's no, you know, there's no uh, second or third act. It's not like a Doc Savage novel, which unfolds in endless chapters. And all the Domino Lady stories had five or six chapters, and that was it, mostly. And um, so, to read them, it's incredibly easy to read them because you don't have to remember anything. And the number of characters is limited. But essentially what the author was trying to do uh, in 1936, and that's the only year the Domino Lady appeared originally, was to, I guess, introduce a female crime fighter. And she didn't really wear a costume so much as she wore a black and white um, it could be either or both, cocktail dress uh, and a domino, you know, over her. And you can see here, Norman saw, this is the, um, the uh, uh, story of the domino lady's double. And Norman Saunders, um, this, this scene never appeared in the story, by the way. But um, Norman Saunders always had a way of putting the best elements on a cover. I mean, his, his work is magnificent. He probably is the artist who's probably the, even though he's well known because he was incredibly prolific in so many areas, but he's probably the most underrated artist in the history of American pop fiction. I mean, so many of the artists like Frank Frazetta and St. John and other artists worked with you know, incredible characters and gained incredible fame. And Norman Saunders never, if it wasn't for his son, he would not have had anywhere near the credit he deserves. And David has done some amazing uh, work 
in memory of his father, and not just his father, but multitudes of pulp artists. And anyway, this gives you an idea, this and the other one, let me flip back there, it gives you an idea of the light nature of the stories. I mean, they weren't, they were violent and they were grim, but they were also somewhat light. And uh, the, uh, oh, that that's, that's a little, okay, hmm. Now why is, okay, I think that's not an original, yeah, there we go, maybe it is, okay, now why did this, all right, so, okay, never mind, anyway, the, the one on the bottom uh, uh, right there puzzles me because I guess it's the one that goes with the story at sea, which is, I thought, by far the worst of the stories, so I didn't pay much attention to it, sorry. Um, anyhow, Going back to female heroes, heroines, um, the Domino Lady represents, you know, the only, and I mean the only, costume hero, female costume hero of the 30s or 40s. Now, there was a Golden Amazon who was a science fiction character in Fantastic Adventures and other publications later uh, by John Fern. And there was Jerry Carlyle, who was in Arthur Barnes' uh, anthology, Interplanetary Hunter, who was a 1940s big game hunter on other planets. And there were women of, of you know, incredible distinction, but not Mary Marvel, not Wonder Woman, not Supergirl, nothing like Doc Savage, nothing like The Shadow. The Domino Lady has a little bit of The Shadow in her, not much. Um, but essentially, um, we're dealing with a situation where apparently the people who published pulps and the people who wrote for the pulps didn't believe that a woman would sell stories. That, that a, a woman dressed in a costume, or, or per, sort of a costume, would, would be able to sell stories, a, a female costume hero. The idea just didn't exist. Now, the closest thing to the Domino Lady, and much more successful commercially, in the comics came about in 1941 and predated Wonder Woman by a few months, and that was The Black Cat, published by Harvey Comics. And she first appeared in a, a very um, little-known pocket-sized comic called Pocket Comics. And she appeared in four issues of that, then she took up in Speed Comics, which was their flagship publication. And also she was in um, her own title for, uh, I think it was 29 issues. And then they re-brought back a few in the 50s and 60s in reprints. But the, the um, Black Cat was very much like the Domino Lady. Her alter ego was Linda Turner, a rich movie star. And she knew judo tricks, just like the Domino Lady. She, she didn't carry a gun. The Domino Lady did do that. But they were somewhat similar. I often wondered if the person who created the Black Cat had read any of the Domino Lady stories. That's the closest thing to it. But can you imagine with, there were over, there were over 40,000 pulps published in the first six decades of the 20th century. And there are, if you don't count Sheena, which is, uh, I don't think is really a superhero, it's a jungle hit. To me, they're a t totally different category. If you don't count Sheena, the Domino Lady, six stories, that's all there is. Now, Senorita Scorpion, I believe, had eight stories in fiction houses, action uh, 
title, uh, action stories. Uh, but she once again was like the Lash LaRue, a female Lash LaRue, but not really a costume hero in the, in the set, although the covers were certainly dramatic enough. But I guess some people think of Senorita Scorpion as, as a costume hero. I tend to think of Western heroes that are costumed as more, you know, a different genre, sort of a genre unto themselves. But anyway, the, dom the Domino Lady just is unique. And, and yet she totally failed commercially. Partly in, in her last story, which was her longest story, uh, was in a, a title uh, called uh, Mystery Adventure Magazine. And that, uh, I, I, I have no idea what that was because I don't necessarily try to collect. I, I have a large pulp collection, but it's mostly um, romance, detective, western, and sports. And I like genre fiction, and uh, but the expensive ones, I just had no idea what they were, and so I, I, I still find it amazing when you, especially when you factor in the heroes in the movies today. I mean, you, you look at the Marvel heroes, the female heroes and heroines, and you look at the uh, you look at the Wonder Woman movie that's out, which is so spectacular. And then you go back to the comic books, and you re there, there's a common misconception there weren't many female superheroes. Uh-uh, there were dozens. Um, I, helped a, I helped a woman, a historian named Trina Robbins, uh, put together a book called The um, Great Women Superheroes. This was 20 years ago. And I supplied most of the data and all the art from my collection. And we spent two or three days at a coffee shop. <laughs> And she did a great job. She dedicated it to me as the girl with the most comics in the world, which is a joke on a character from the 1940s called Super, Super Snipe, Copy McFad, who was the boy with the most comics in the world. And, but I still find it hard to believe that pulp, um, let me try one more here just to, there we go. I still find it hard to believe that pulp um, magazines offered so little in the way of female heroes. And yet, the more I think about it, how many women bought pulp magazines that were not the love magazines? They fully won 25% or more if you count the Western romance. 25%, maybe even as much as 30% of all the pulp sales and all the pulp issues were love magazines or Western love magazines, and they, you know, they sold almost entirely to women. And yet, um, none of those magazines had any daring heroines beyond being daring to grab a kiss or something. And, you know, so the Domino Lady, when you read through her stories, it's, it's very quick, you can read it in one or two days, that Rich Harvey, uh, Bold Venture Press, did this compilation, and there's been a couple since, but this is uh, illustrated by Steranko along with some. Now here's an original illustration of her and there were several, there's another one. You can see that they drew her in a very sexy fashion. I'm not sure who drew her there. Now we're starting with the new pole. Ron Wilbur. Huh? It's Ron Wilbur. No, I, I was talking, yeah, right. I was talking about the um, old, the, the illustrations in the original six stories. I have no idea who drew those. Um, Steranko drew the chapter um, separations here and did a pretty incredible job as usual. 
um, I, I'm friends with him, and I told him, I said, I really like your domino, and he, he had fun with it, you know, because it was some diff, totally different. Somehow or other, he knew about the domino lady, but then Stranko knows about everything. Um, anyway, um, so, so I just still, um, to me, the thing I was trying to want to stress was how unusual she was. Now, as far as what she did, um, Nick Carr uh, in the uh, Pulp Hero in 2004 um, features dozens and dozens of Pulp Heroes. And he also, and they're not all superheroes or costume heroes, but he, he does have the Domino Lady, Senorita Scorpion from Fiction House, and Sheena. And that's it. That's all he has. And this guy knew more about pulps than any 10 of us put together. And, and so he didn't miss anybody. Um, Bernard Drew's anthology had uh, 15 female detectives and only one, the domino lady, was a costume heroine. And then um, some of the characteristics she had, I'm, I'm sorry if this is a little disjointed, but it's hard to talk about somebody who's that obscure and, and do it in any kind of interesting manner because if you just do it chronologically, it doesn't work. Um, she was a 22-year-old um, blonde daughter of an assassinated district attorney who actually, the way Thelma B. Ellis described Owen Patrick, her name was Ellen Patrick, and the way he described Owen Patrick, Owen Patrick might have been a more interesting character he he uh, he made him. Uh, she made him sound like Superman. I still think of Lars Anderson, and you know, and you think that just to show you how how impossible it was thought to be that a woman could succeed writing pulp fiction outside the romance magazines. They had her write under a man's name, and it never came out, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I could be wrong about that. If any of you know, correct me. But I I don't think. Any time, I, I don't think anybody knew her identity until relatively recently, and I just don't know enough about what happened. John, do you know anything about how it came to be that people discovered her true identity? Will Murray, Will Murray, okay, yeah. Well, I freely admit that Will Murray knows about 50 times. I mean, I like to think I'm a good comics historian, but Will, Will Murray knows about 50 times more than I could ever imagine. And I have thousands of pulps, so you know, it's just amazing. Anyway, she was the daughter of an assassinated district attorney or political figure. And um, the interesting thing about her is that she essentially, um, she essentially was uh, kind of a, she had a, like a utility belt, except it was a utility bra. <laughs> and she would pull things out of her bra. Uh, I'll read you. This is amazing. And, and also her bag, her, her handbag. So, but then what woman doesn't have a handbag? But anyway, she said, uh, I can just imagine my purse is so messy. I don't think I could find it in time to rescue my, myself. Uh, the, the, um, the interesting thing here is this. Um, it says... Uh, uh, Ellen reached into the low-cut decotillage, I never can't pronounce that word right, of her evening frock, drew forth a shining metal ball which rested snugly in the warm valley of her shapely bosom. <laughs> Small and compact, it was a powerful weapon when properly used. It was a ball of, of poison gas, or knockout gas, I'm not sure how I should describe that. 
and she threw it at the villain, knocked him out. And, uh, and then the other part of the same, this is from, excuse me, I should have said this first. This is from the Domino Lady Doubles back, which is basically how she actually went back to where she, she uh, stole a bunch of uh, jewels to benefit uh, people in orphanages. That was her favorite charity, was little kids in orphanages. And she was a Robin Hood, in a sense, and she often, um, uh, she often did uh, Robin Hood type things. Um, she supported herself by, she had, she was, her father was wealthy, but she supported herself by essentially keeping part of the ill-gotten gains with the rationalization that she was stealing them from vile criminals or as the author frequently said, vulpine criminals. Now, I have never seen the word vulpine used in any other story in my life. I'm not even sure that's a real word. It means fox. Huh? Fox. Foxes are vulpine. Okay. So it's called the fox. Like, Thank you. Foxes, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm not very, well, you know, I mean, I've been, I've written thousands and thousands of stories, but didn't know that word until I read it in a domino lady. But anyhow, um, she, she loved stealing, she didn't kill any crooks in her six stories. And they made a big deal about that. Has the domino lady finally succumbed to the temptation of killing an evil man? But uh, no, she didn't. She shot one a couple of times, but not to kill. Anyway, and then the other thing that's interesting is, unlike uh, most costume heroes, she would, disintegrate her gown and her domino mask when she was trapped and here's a um, from this domino lady devil's backstory from her wrist this is after she has been threat apparently trapped the tight-fitting creation came off her shining head leaving her shapely body clad only in the lacy black scanties Stoop, and this is how she writes constantly. You know, it's as though it's, it's as though she's almost afraid to to talk about women's clothing, you know, in in a magazine read mostly by men. Um, stooping, she wadded the black dresses and the domino mask into a small roll. This she placed on the floor near the wall. From her wrist bag, she produced a tiny vial of colorless liquid. The domino and the dress of special construction and previously treated so as to take the acid, were doused with the consuming liquid. A tiny wisp of nauseating smoke eddied upward for a moment. Then the gown and the domino were nothing but a small pile of dark ashes. Now, never before, in, when I first read this years ago, never before had I heard of a hero or heroine disintegrating their costume to avoid being caught. Now maybe it happened, but I just, I've just never seen it. The Crimson Clown did this by uh, uh, Johnson McCulley. Yeah, and what did he do, if I may ask? Uh, the Crimson Clown, you say? Okay, I, believe it or not, I've never read, I, I have a hard time reading old literature and Macaulay has never appealed to me too much outside of the, uh, the shorter Zorro stories in, in the 40s. Um, anyway, so he did the same thing. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, and then it said, um, <clears throat> before dressing, Ellen uh, scooped these ashes up, sifted, sifted them into the wash bowl, a dash of water from the tap, 
and they had disappeared from view forever. Next, she reached for the costume gown. She was at a costume party, <coughs> prepared to pull it over her shining head. Just as she raised it high, she startled. Someone was trying the door of the washroom. Okay, and then that, that was the suspense, and then, of course, she got away. But it was, um, and uh, this, uh, the picture I showed before this one, that was from this story. <laughs> so I just think it's amazing that <laughs> the author tried to be that creative and uh, it was fun. <coughs> Bernard Drew wrote in his uh, Domino Lady, um, he, called, um, he called them escapades. They involved no investigation, no probing, no crime solving. Ellen has already zeroed in on the bad guy by story start. The main plot element, in fact, is the shapely heroine uh, wrangling her way into a social situation, making lighthearted conversation, swiping something or other of value from someone who deserves to lose it, and dropping a calling card which reads the domino lady's compliments. And in all but one of the story, in one story she did not do the card. But in all of the stories, that was kind of like a, a female version of the spider's symbol, you know, when he would kiss the villain with the ring and all that. And, um, but anyway, there are elements in the domino lady of, she's sort of a combination of everything. I remember um, in 1959, long before I ever heard of her, um, and long before, and three or four years before I first discovered my first Doc Savage pulp and sort of fell in love with the, the whole idea. Um, I was 14, I read Doc Savage, I loved the code that Doc Savage lived by. They printed it in every issue, and it was so much fun. But in 1959, there was, I had only read in three, I was 11, and I had only read in three years of comic book reading and buying and trading and all that stuff about one superheroine. And I hadn't quite discovered Mary Marvel yet, but I read about, or the Black Cat, or some of the other characters. But I read it, I read Wonder Woman, and I always thought that was the greatest comic book on earth. Wonder Woman was unbelievable, the things she could do, and wouldn't you love to have an invisible plane? Well, the, and also I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I hate high heels, they're so hard. High heels are a pain in the butt. And how does Wonder Woman run and fight crime in high heels? And my mom said, that's why they call her Wonder Woman. <laughs> so that was an answer I've never forgotten. I could still hear her voice say that. Um, but anyway, in uh, uh, the spring of 1959, uh, I was at the newsstand. Uh, I, I was there every Tuesday and Thursday, faithfully to get the new comics. And also my first job was, other than babysitting, was racking the comics for the dealer. So he would pay me in comics. And uh, that was actually more money than you can imagine for a little 11 year old. But anyway, I was, I was looking at this act issue of action number 252 and there's Supergirl on the cover flying out uh, telling Superman that she has all of his powers. And I, I said to myself, what's this, Supergirl? Now there had been a couple of Lois Lane co um, 
fantasy type stories and there was a, a prototype story the year before. So the concept had, had been used a few times, but Supergirl was the first regularly attempted, um, you know, featured female heroine from DC. They had a few minor ones, but I mean, Wonder Woman, of course, was the first, but Supergirl was the first after that, and they were born, so to speak, um, about uh, 18 years apart. So, but for me, Supergirl was the greatest thing that I'd ever seen. I just thought that was an incredible character. And, but the difference is, her stories were most, they were mostly one-offs, but there was a lot of continuity in there in the 60s. And they were different from the Domino ladies in that they, you, they, they, plot, they put more plot into a Supergirl story than the Domino lady put into her stories. And most of the stories were six to eight pages to start, and then they became 12 pages. Um, but those stories, the Supergirl stories, were so much more complicated. And the Domino Lady stories were essentially, like I said, just very basic scenes. And, um, but she always found a way, in one story, um, she just, the villain tried to, took her for granted, and she just did a judo flip of him and dove and rolled and got away. And I think, um, I think the author was almost afraid to give the domino lady any real powers, you know? And so, um, see, I don't, see, I don't know what order these things are, so that's why, yeah. I had a friend, that I, I don't have a scanner, so a friend of mine scanned these for me. See the, see the difference, though? And, if you look at the originals and you look at these, I mean, this is almost typical of modern life. You know, we oftentimes feel nostalgic for the old days, but the reality is this, these versions of the Domino Lady are so much better than, you know, and I understand, I, I, I'm not a new pulp person so much because I'm, I have limited funds and, I long ago told myself, and I have apologized to the new pulp people, that I could either buy the old ones or the new ones, but probably not much of both. And uh, so anyway, um, I understand that um, there were uh, the Moonstone books, Airship 27, of course, which you just heard from, and the, the late Ron Wilbur's erotic comics were big-time revivals of the Domino Lady. And so there, one Domino Lady story here is longer, I believe, than all six put together. And, and also, these are real stories. I mean, the, these are not little short stories with very basic focus. These are actually complex tales of, you know, and from what I understand, they're terrific. And so, I sometimes think that, I mean, I'm almost gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I sometimes think the new pulp in, you know, when you can take an obscure character and create this wonderful image, I sometimes think the new pulp is better than the old pulp. And, um, you know, that's why I, I kind of encourage people to, to give it a chance. Um, but aren't these amazing? They, they almost, to me, they, they have the same kind of panache that Fiction House's comic books did with Sheena. Same, same kind of thing. Now that's a great one. Is that awesome or what? Uh, see now, now, okay, now doesn't this make you want to know this character much more than the original? That, it's amazing what they what they're doing.
and um, I, I just can't get over how much better. Now, there's my book here. That's the cover. Now, that's Steranko. And you can always tell Steranko because he's really the master of thighs. You might think Frazetta was, but it was really Steranko. <laughs> if he were here, he'd probably admit it. Um, but uh, that's a pretty cool cover, you know. I guess that's it. But I, um, I mean, that's all the illustrations. Um, does anybody have questions or anything? I, 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 what time is it? Can somebody tell me? I don't have a watch on. 10.48, okay, I started at, uh, I just didn't want to overdo it. Uh, yeah, I'm running close to the edge here. Uh, I just wonder if anybody had any questions or anything about the Domino Lady. I didn't want to just go rehash every story, you know, and just that kind of thing. Um, I encourage you, though, to pick, if you want to, you'd have fun reading them. And I don't mean to imply they're not worth reading, because they are. It's just that they're so much more primitive than modern stories. Um, one thing, one thing about the, the Domino Lady that struck me is that they, they did a lot of rehashing of her history, but then that's fairly true of most pulp characters. Um, but uh, I, Doc Savage had a lot of rehashes in his books too. But the Domino Lady had, one thing that was kind of neat was that she was so bold, they kept saying how much she thrilled to the chase and she thrilled to the capture. And her whole, it, I've always liked the Robin Hood legend, and her whole philosophy of life, because of the way her father died uh, at the hands of evil men, was to make evil men pay and use the profits to benefit people who needed the money, including her. <laughs> and I, I kind of like that. I, I kind of like the, the concept. And, uh, and yet, the reality, of course, she was chased by the police in these stories. I mean, not, not a, in any given story. She wasn't actually, but the police were on her trail trying to capture her. And yet, one policeman in the story, um, the, uh, I'm glad I remember to say this, one, um, uh, one policeman in one, the last story, the dominant lady doubles back, actually recognizes her and yet doesn't do anything to capture her and she saves his life he could have captured her and she said he said the domino lady deserves to to stick around and essentially he was making a judgment call and i thought that was great um the other thing that was interesting is there was a domino lady story the fifth one called black legion and a lot of people don't know that in the 1930s there was a, a rather uh, sophisticated, sinister organization called the Black Legion. And one of the greatest movies Humphrey Bogart ever did is a relatively unknown 1937 Warner Brothers socio sociological movie called Black Legion. And it's about a man who throws away his life uh, because of the hatred he has for minorities and people who, uh, foreigners, immigrants, you know, all of this, very topical for today. But he hates blacks, foreigners, immigrants, so much that he throws away his life trying to kill these people or at least get rid of them. The Black Legion was like the KKK. It was a form of the KKK. And um, it wasn't as widespread over the country, but it did exist. And this story, Black Legion, the domino lady just captures a criminal, cleverly disguises him, 
as the fellow they captured who was her boyfriend at the time. One appearance, her boyfriend, one appearance. Frustrating. Um, they, the, the crooks who held her boyfriend that she rescued, they, they tortured the guy that she disguised, the, the criminal she disguised, and he wound up being tortured and, and actually maimed. Uh, some of the stories are a little bit gory um, by, uh, uh, you know, the domino lady's switching of these identities. And she took great joy in the fact that this evil man got, you know, it even says so in the story that she took joy that this evil man got tortured, that she found a way to have him get his just rewards. Apparently, it, he killed her father, she found out. And um, so it, it's good. It's, it's, a, it's a good series, but I don't want to, I don't want it, to, it bothers me that the only female heroine in the pulps um, of modern day times anyway, um, you know, in the urban environment, uh, was so totally unsuccessful. And it's just, it's a frustrating thing. And um, I, I never did ask Bob Weinberg why the Domino Lady didn't appear in the Hero Pulp Index. And I, I, if anybody knows, tell me. But um, I just guess they just didn't know about her. So to me, that says, I'll just close on that. That says a lot right there about how women were so totally ignored by the pulps that the only female heroine in, in the costume hero variety wasn't even well known enough to make the Hero Pulp Index. And, um, and, but yet, since I love obscure stuff, and this was cool, and I, I said to myself when I first read it, I said, it's fun, but it's not very good. <laughs> That's it. You've been listening to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the pulp magazines, for over 20 years. Please visit us online at thepulp.net. Thank you for listening and keep reading the pulps. The Pulp Event Podcast is copyright 2017.